My name is Noah McMillan, and welcome to Wise Advice on Educational Planning by McMillan Education, the oldest educational consultancy in the United States. Today, I chat with Jackie McGarra about how students should make their final college decisions. Jackie joined McMillan Education following a long tenure as Director of College Counseling at Dana Hall School in Wellesley, Massachusetts. In her oversight of the College Counseling Department, Jackie ushered hundreds of students and their families through the college search process, managed and developed a staff of counselors, and contributed to regional and national professional associations' training of college counselors in best practices. Prior to her work at Dana Hall, Jackie served as Assistant Director of Admissions and then as Senior Associate Director of Admissions at Boston University, where she managed domestic and international student recruitment, supervised staff of admissions counselors, and oversaw a sizable portion of applicants in the admissions decision-making process at the university's College of Arts and Sciences. Here we go. Jackie, thank you so much for joining me. You're welcome. My pleasure. So let's just hop right in. Um, What do you consider the most important part of college decisions in the big picture? Yeah, well, first and foremost, it's important for students to approach this decision with an enthusiastic mindset. You've received great news, and now you're in the driver's seat. Congratulations. The fact that you applied hopefully means that you like something about the colleges, and this is all good. In making a final decision as to where to enroll, students will want to keep in mind the concept of best fit. Families will have heard about best fit many times through the process, and there's no right or wrong way to assess what might be the best fit for a particular student. Students will want to consider best fit from really two different perspectives or categories. One, academic offerings and environment, and two, overall campus culture. But there's also a third category that will be an important consideration for many families, and that is the amount of financial assistance offered by the college. Hopefully, the colleges to which a student has applied will generally meet the student's criteria within these three main areas. Something else is really important to keep in mind, and that's that no college will check all the boxes. You decide what are the must-haves and what you can live with or live without. Parenthetically, what I will also say about fit is that it doesn't correlate to selectivity or how difficult it is to get in. In other words, the best college is the one that's the best fit for you. So unless a student has applied and been admitted under a binding early admission plan, most students will have to make their final decision by May 1, which is the national candidate reply date. Many students will have heard from colleges well in advance of this date, so they'll have more time to consider the benefits and disadvantages of a particular college. But other schools will not notify until late March, which leaves about a month for students to decide. And given this narrow window, it's a good idea for applicants to have done their pros and cons homework well ahead of time so that making their final decision in what is normally a very busy time of year doesn't feel rushed. What do you consider the specific factors a student and their family should consider in making the final decision as to where to enroll? 
Oh, there are many factors to consider, and not all of them will matter to every student. So, for example, one student will be more concerned with, say, distance from home or size of student body, while another will have priorities that are totally different. Maybe the school setting, you know, in a city or suburbs or more rural, or the amount of financial aid that this college offers. It all depends on what's most important to a particular student and his or her family. And hopefully these factors will have been well considered before it's time to decide where to submit the enrollment deposit. So when making the final decision as to where to enroll, let's assume you've already considered the basics of the institution. It's more quantitative aspects, such as geographic location and distance from home, its setting, its size, you know, large, medium, or small, and its academic programs. Do these basics meet your interests, needs, and what you're seeking in a college? Hopefully the answer is yes. So let's say the answer is yes. Where do you go from there? If you're comfortable with the basics having been met, you'll want to move on to consider factors that are more qualitative in nature, you know, aspects that are more difficult to measure and may be perceived in different ways by students. So some of these include, one, the academic atmosphere and culture of the school. Is it hyper-competitive? more relaxed, or somewhere in between? Will the college provide a level of academic rigor to match your aptitude and preparation? Are you looking for a student body that's excited to learn and intellectually stretch in new directions? How involved are the teaching faculty with undergraduate students? If you have a documented learning difference, will the college's support services department advocate for and support you so that your learning style or needs are met in the classroom. Do the answers to any of these questions matter to you? Second thing to keep in mind are the extracurricular activities and the campus life experience. Pay close attention to this because we often define ourselves and get the most enjoyment from activities we do outside of school or work. So an important consideration is whether you'll find like-minded students who enjoy what you enjoy. Because what you'll remember years down the road is what you did outside of the classroom and the friends that you made, not necessarily what you learned in your major. So here are just a couple of many questions you might ask yourself. Where do students come from? How diverse, in whatever way you define diversity, is the student body? Does the answer matter? Are there clubs and organizations I can see myself joining? How receptive is the college to students who want to start their own organization? Are there fraternities and sororities on campus? If so, are they the focus of the student social life? If the college doesn't offer Greek life, what do students do on a weekend night? How do they socialize? What can students do off campus? How involved are they with community service? Does the college have a strong relationship with the surrounding community? What's the freshman to sophomore retention rate? This is important because the percentage of returning students after the first year tells a lot about the overall level of student satisfaction. Does the community feel like home? Will it value me for what I have to offer? Can I see myself thriving there? Again, after answering these questions, you'll also want to ask yourself whether the answers matter. A third factor to consider looks farther into the future. 
Dig deep and learn as much as you can about how the college will set you up for your first job post-graduation. What resources and programs does the school have for helping you land an internship and career planning and placement? Are there alumni involved and available for networking and referrals? And the fourth consideration is that parents and students need to factor in the implications of taking on debt to finance college. Families should be open and honest in discussing how much they can afford. It's really important to take a long view because it could take many many years to pay off loans. I feel like students and parents might feel kind of isolated in this decision-making process, but the school's are there for them. So how would you recommend students interact with the schools during this period? Yeah, it's a really good question. And I would say the most important is to ask questions. Try to spend some extra time on campus and explore it beyond the guided tour. Become an observant people watcher. Could you see yourself hanging out and becoming friends with the students you see? Stop students and ask, hey, what's the best part about going to college here? And what would you change about your experience? And would you make the same decision again? Whatever you do, please don't enroll sight unseen without ever visiting the campus in person. Then, when you've gathered as much information as you can about the school, make an old-fashioned pros and cons list of every school under consideration. It's easier to process information when it's visually represented in front of you instead of having it swirl around in your head. Start with putting two to three, you know, must-haves at the top, then proceed to list all the benefits and disadvantages of each school. Inevitably, one or two colleges will bubble to the top. If it's one school, your decision is made. If it's two, you'll either need more time for further consideration or simply distrust your instincts. And, you know, while all of this is going on, It's mission critical, really important to believe in yourself. Everyone will have an opinion about which college to attend, but you're the one who will be enrolling. This is your decision. Please trust yourself to make the right one. I think perhaps the most logistically confusing response that uh, a student could get is being put on the wait list. Uh, What is your advice on how to navigate uh, those uncertain waters? Yeah, and they certainly are uncertain. It's a very tough question. You know, there are several steps a student can take to try to move off a wait list. And there's no right or wrong way to do it. Most colleges, you know, through their admissions process, will follow a very structured, orderly, and predictable sequence. But with the wait list, there's no system per se. Each college approaches their waitlist in a different way. It's almost as if waitlist territory is the wild, wild west. So if you receive a waitlist decision, keep in mind two somewhat contradictory thoughts. One is that there's still hope. You know, being put on a waitlist means there's a chance you'll be offered a spot in the incoming class. But on the flip side, it's unlikely you'll be offered the opportunity to move off the waitlist. If the past 10 years or so are any indication, colleges have typically assembled large wait lists as a cushion for enrollment, but made very few offers. Still, in the event a school makes a wait list offer, there are several steps a student can take to enhance their chances of being offered a late admission spot. 
First, if you're waitlisted and still interested in attending, immediately fill out the continued interest form in your admissions portal. It will take about a minute. Then within a week or so, write and send an email to either the admissions representative you've been in contact with or the person who signed the waitlist letter. This email should say several things. Thank the college for giving you the opportunity to stay in the running. Offer new information that wasn't included in your original application, such as an improved GPA, any awards won, sports that are ongoing during the spring, projects undertaken and or completed. Then list two to three reasons why the college will want you to join their community. In other words, what's in it for them. And finally, if the college is your absolute first choice, be sure to write that you'll attend if you're offered a spot. Oh, and be sure to thank them again. Please know that colleges won't look at their wait list until right before or sometime after May 1st, the deadline for enrollment deposits. So our advice is to attend admitted student programs during the month of April because you'll need to deposit somewhere by May 1 to reserve a spot in the incoming class of the school you'd most prefer to attend aside from your waitlist school. However, during the last week of April, please send a shorter follow-up email to your waitlist school that reiterates your continued interest. The admissions office will have your original email, but a short, hey, I'm still interested email will keep you on the admissions office radar as they begin to look at their waitlist in earnest. Whatever you do, please don't bombard the admissions staff with multiple emails. It will not work in your favor. On that note, is there any potential good that comes out of appealing a waitlist decision? Unfortunately, no. Waitlist appeals rarely result in an outcome that you'd like. If your end goal is to graduate from that school and you start thinking about transferring even before you graduate from high school, the one thing you can do is to make sure you finish senior year as well as you can because the college will see your final high school transcript when you apply to transfer. If a student doesn't get off the wait list at their desired school and ends up at what they believe to be a lesser school, do you recommend they go in with the intention of transferring? Sure, I guess. It's okay for a student to begin their undergraduate studies at that school with the intention to transfer. But by focusing on transferring from the very start, the student runs the risk of missing out on all the rich experiences they could have at that school. My advice is to give the school a chance and yourself the opportunity to fall in love with it. Is there anything else to keep in mind when talking about wait lists? Um, yeah, I think two or three things, three things, I guess. First, if a college offers you the opportunity to move off their wait list, 99 times out of 100, it will happen after May 1. So if you've deposited somewhere else, and you should have, you'll lose your enrollment deposit at that first school. Second, the college won't give you more than two to three days to decide if you want to take them up on their wait list offer. Colleges move fast to fill their class, so this means you'll have to decide quickly and confirm your decision by sending a new enrollment deposit. And third, or last, I guess, if a college goes to their waitlist, the offers will mostly come during the month of May. Rarely will an offer be made after June 1, which is when most colleges will shut down their waitlists. 
Okay, Jackie, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure. It was fun. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Wise Advice on Educational Planning. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe and leave a review.